Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, it's been a minute. Hi, Matt Bove, how are you? I'm great, Sal Capaccio. How are you? I'm doing well. A little decompression having to go on after a uh, very tumultuous season with a really tough ending for the Bills. and. You know, I know that uh, we're still here in football season, but, you know, for me personally, I, j- I needed to step away for about a week or so just to kind of recharge the batteries. And I think it's good for everybody to do that once in a while. So it's good to talk to you again after that. Yeah, it's good to talk to you as well. It's good to see your face. We haven't seen each other really since I think the Brandon Bean press conference, the right. last really thing of the 2022 season. It's just I've told this to so many people. I've probably said it on the podcast as well. It becomes your life. From the day you report to training camp until the day the season ends. And for the bills this year, I remember because it was my wife's birthday, July 23rd was their first day of training camp. Their first day of practice was the 24th. So they reported on a Saturday, same day as the Garth Brooks concert. Uh, Sunday Sunday was the first day of bills practice for training camp. And really from that point on, there hasn't been a stop up until a couple weeks ago. So it is, it's just, the thing that I've always struggled with is that you go for so long and it becomes so much of your time and you invest so much just energy and thought into all of it. And then it just ends. It just is like, okay, welcome to the off season. It is amazing how quick it happens. That's right. That's, that's the one thing, you know, I understand why the Super Bowl is so hard to win. The one thing that I really, really do love about hockey, about basketball, about baseball is it's these like series. It's not just one game. You know what I mean? It's not one bad day ends your season. And that's kind of ultimately what I thought happened to the bills. So you, you haven't covered the team professionally, like be when they were really bad, right? Well, yes, I did, but not nearly to the level that I have covered them when they've been good. I started shooting games in 2014. Okay, so you had a couple of years in there before they made yeah. the playoffs. Uh-huh. But your point is great because that's the, the finality of it. I can go back to those drought years when I would say, you know, it's basically you are, you know, you know already that, um, you know, and actually I, I moved here in 2011. So, I mean, I only had a few years of it more than you, but it, you were always kind of knowing you're playing out the season by Thanksgiving. Yeah. So you, you prepared yourself for the end, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you just said it, there's such a bam, hit a wall finality to it that you it just comes so stunningly. 
when you're not that good, that doesn't happen. And it's so much easier to take because mm-hmm. you're just kind of, it's a soft landing. You're like, ah, what am I going to, I can start preparing my January and February. You know, we're, we're in December and early January and we're like, do we have to make plans for the Super Bowl? Do we have to make plans? Like what, what, what do we look like here? What's going on? How quick of a turnaround is it? And then bam, it all of a sudden it ends. I think that's the, that's the part that's so striking is you really, you don't get that opportunity and to, to kind of reset yourself, but I'd rather have it that way because of the season, how great it is. Yeah. When you're not that good, you're like, yeah, got five weeks left and the season's over. I'm, you know, I'm gonna start preparing that. I will say one thing that has not happened and you can correct me if you disagree, but I've been told from people who cover really good teams and they have for a really long time that eventually it wears off. They're like, you're going to get sick of it because your seasons go until February and not early January. And it's another month of just chaos and the grind. And it gets crazier as the season goes on. I have never reached that point. Like I, the last couple of weeks, have missed going to the facility, missed going to football games, talking about football games. I really didn't even have a desire to watch the AFC and NFC championship. I still did because I'm like, okay, you know, obviously you love football and you want to watch these games, but I just was not gung ho about what, and I'm still like for the super bowl, I'm going to watch the super bowl, but I'm not nearly as invested in it as I had been in years past. Agreed. Part of it though is because is it like I kind of hate watched the AFC Championship game because of the way the Bills season ended, knowing you know this team should be there and you gear up for it and you you're so disappointed that you're not there doing it. And I know in this business we're all supposed to be objective and everything. Look, I'm going to make no bones about it. I will say it right here, and it's always game day in Buffalo. By the way, it's the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. I will say right here, I freaking wanted to broadcast a Super Bowl. Like yeah. yes, that I'm I'm invested in it in that way. So yeah, I wanted that. I wanted this team to win. Of course, I did. Yeah. And it's just like, also like we're part of the community. Like I understand we need to be objective. We need to be fair. There's times when we need to ask questions that are uncomfortable. There's times when, you know, you have to separate all of that, but I will say I'm from here. My dad is a huge bills fan. My mother's a bills fan. My wife's a bills fan. All of our families are bills fans. Like the community is a happier, more excitable place when the bills are winning. So it would be crazy to, you know, not want that stuff. So, I mean, there is something about the beauty of the chase and here we are going into another off season, trying to figure out what the bills need to do to ultimately get there. I also know I've heard people say like, Oh, it still matters so much. Even if you've won one, you've won two, you've won three. I don't know if I buy that. I think there is something to be said about getting to that first one that makes it that much more interesting from our standpoint and from an, like a fan interest standpoint. Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever wear off those people who say that. I don't know if it'll ever wear off. I'd rather be, I think about teams like the green Bay Packers who've just been there every year, but they can't get into the super bowl. They did once they, you know, uh-huh. with Aaron Rodgers, they won it, but every year it's like, they're always so close or they're making the playoffs or, and then they're losing. I'd still rather live that existence than talking about the draft on Thanksgiving. Because you always have a chance and it's exciting and you have a, you're covering a good, a good team with good players. And I want to say too, the bills have a, I have way more questions about the Buffalo bills going into this off season than I did going into last off season. And I think there are some reasons to be concerned about just the buildup of this team, but the always having a chance comment that you just made that all comes down to Josh Allen and he is still young. He has not even reached his prime yet. Like, he is unbelievable. And the more we've gotten away from the season, 
I think the more impressed I have been with what he was able to do, given the circumstance, the offensive line this year was really inconsistent. We'll get there at some point. The wide receiver room was not as productive as anybody thought it was going to be myself included. I banged the Gabe Davis drum for a while. He played through injuries that he should not have been playing through like that UCL injury. The bills will never say it, but I'll say it like probably shouldn't have been playing football for a couple weeks. He said he had to relearn his throwing mechanics. That's not something that's supposed to happen in an NFL season. And then people are like, Oh yeah. What happened to the mobility? His ankle was pretty beat up at the end of the season. Like I don't think he was as mobile as he would have normally been. So as long as you have Josh Allen, you have a chance. So that's why for the next six months, we are going to pick things apart, try and figure out what this team needs to do, but they have number 17. So they're going to be in the conversation for as long as he's around. Agreed. And his contract extension actually doesn't even kick in until this coming year. He did get money from that extension because of bonuses last year, but really this will be the first year of the contract extension. And you look around the league and some of the money these guys are going to make, you look at what Lamar's looking at. Joe Burrow's up next. Do you see what some of these quarterbacks are already making? Deshaun Watson, of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Josh's cap number is astronomical, but relatively compared to who he is, it's 39 million. You're going to take that and go, okay, baby, let's go. Like we can definitely live with that. So you're right. And it is going to be a challenge. So let's turn the page and say, I want to go back to something you just said a minute ago and turn, turn it into a question for you here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Matt, you said... Josh Allen battled injuries. You talked about wide receivers. You talked about the O-line. Brandon Bean said, you know, they ha- he, he doesn't want him taking as many hits. We know that. We also know what we saw from Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, and how those t- a team with receivers like that, I think we all agree the Bills need more weapons. What's the best way to help Josh Allen, Matt? Is it improve the offensive line, or is it improve the weapons? I think it's improve the offensive line. That doesn't mean that you have to forget about the weapons because I think that's important too. But I think there are bigger and more important questions on the offensive line than there are with the wide receivers, with the tight ends. I think they need to add one more legitimate wide receiver. And then you're probably in a pretty good position. You love Stefan Diggs. You love Dawson Knox. You still probably have a lot of faith in Gabe Davis. You like Shakir. You like McKenzie. Like there's names there. Mm-hmm. Offensive line you got to figure out what are you going to do with both of your guards? Ryan Bates is probably, you know, he's got a contract. He's going to stick around for a while, but is he going to start? Roger Saffold was not great this year. 
Deion Dawkins was more inconsistent than Deion Dawkins has been. Staffold's a agent, by the way. Yeah, and and Spencer Brown, same thing. Just inconsistent. There were times when he looked great. There were times when he was just getting beat way too consistently. I think it's realistic that there will be three starters from the line for sure back. It, two for two, definitely with Dawkins and Morse. And then I think one of Bates or Brown will still be there starting. Mm-hmm. I don't know though, for sure, if it's going to be for those guys and then just one new piece. So that's why I think offensive line, it stinks. Cause it's not super fun to talk about, but I think maybe the bills just have to take their medicine and draft an offensive lineman really early in the first or second round and just say, okay, this is going to be our answer for the next few years whether that's a center who can play guard or a guard who's versatile, who can do a little bit of everything. Like they, they got to figure something out. Yeah. Ike Butker is also a free agent. He's a guy they like, I think wouldn't be surprised. They bring him back. He finally was oh, able to get on sure. the field. Right. I mean, that wouldn't yeah. be, that wouldn't be hard, hard for them. David Questenberry is a free agent. I think they'd probably like to have him back as a, a versatile backup. Um, you know, if you replace those guys, you're generally going to replace them with guys like them anyway, uh-huh. but you do need to upgrade. And I agree. So I'm going to, answer this question the same way as you are and say offensive line, but I think I've changed. I think I was more wide receivers, the better way. I do not want this to be confused as saying they don't need wide receiver help. Yes, they do. I'd love one in the first round. Mm-hmm. Great. Get, get a great wide receiver on a rookie deal that pushes Gabe Davis, not to replace Stefan as number one, but to become a two, make Dave, Gabe Davis a number three. And you'd have to me a tremendous one, two, three. If you did mm-hmm. that, here's why I think it's offensive line though. I've just watched what the Eagles have done and where they are. Look at what they've done for Jalen Hurts. Is anybody going to actually say that Jalen Hurts is as talented as Josh Allen? Yes, Eagles fans. He's not, though, right? Jalen Hurts is having a tremendous year. But a big, big reason is because they've really done a great job up front, A, to protect him, and B, to run the ball. They have arguably the best offensive line when everybody's healthy, the best offensive line in the league. They're certainly one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the league, and they can pass block and they have a mobile, mobile quarterback. And then I look at the other side. And to be honest, the Chiefs are a great example for this because, Matt, they traded away Tyreek Hill, and they mm-hmm. still had an incredible offense because they have Patrick Mahomes. Again, I don't want this to be misconstrued as just ignore the um, just ignore the wide receivers. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. But if you're asking me which is the better way because of what you just said, I agree. Injuries, Josh with the UCL, Josh with the elbow. Well, what I'm looking at how teams are built right now, maybe being able to run the ball a little better. I say offensive line is probably the better way to be able to protect Josh Allen and give him the ability to get the ball to weapons. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said too, about uh, I'm not like trying to diminish him as a person or a player, but Josh Allen is an investment for the Buffalo bills. And now he has become a much more expensive investment than they have had in years past. So you need to protect your investment and make sure that he can stay upright and he can be as effective as possible. And that's why I think this team's going to have to figure something out. And it's not like they have all of the money in the world to just go throw big money at veterans who can play guard or somebody who like you can bring in and just be like, okay, yeah, you know, you were a starter on this team for six years and you want to change the pace and you want to come play for a contender. Come on down. I, I just don't see that happening this year. I think the bills plan in free agency is going to be to first off restructure some people. So they have just even a little bit of money. 
and then probably bring back either Tremaine Edmonds or Jordan Poyer, thinking it's going to be Tremaine Edmonds. So you're really going to need to lean on the draft to get people who can contribute. And that is another topic because the Bills drafts, not fantastic the last couple of years. That's right. But I always view the draft as kind of a crapshoot anyway, a lot of times, right? I mean, how do you really know? You know, people bring up like the Justin Jefferson trade for Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs for the, the pick. And, yeah. and I would tell you that. Yeah. Even the Vikings didn't know that Justin Jefferson was going to be great. No, you just don't know that. How many, how many other guys were also drafted that didn't become great. So you're right. They have to hit on them. But I, I, I guess maybe I'm just a little too conservative on knocking GMs for missing in drafts because oh. GM misses in drafts. Yeah. And I don't think I'm not trying to, I think, Brandon Bean is a really, really outstanding general manager, and he's the right person to kind of lead this team to where they're trying to go. But I'm sitting there, and as we're you know watching the AFC Championship, how many plays did the Chiefs get from rookies in a that lot. game? A lot. Pacheco, the cornerbacks, like all of these guys are contributing, and you're like, I think there was you're... some graphs and analytics done where they've had the most contributions from rookies for whatever metrics you know in the entire season for any team. Yeah. And I mean, they had to do, they had to lean on those people because they're paying their quarterback an astronomical amount of money. And now the bills are going to be in that same position. So they're going to need to lean on those guys. And I just think back to some of these draft picks and I, I don't want to, do we want to go to this conversation? Cause we're kind of dumping the off. We're leaving the offense here. I was going to, I don't Whatever know. What do you want to do? do? Go ahead. Okay. I, I'm just saying like, after they lost Von Miller, did we ever really notice AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, these high draft picks that they had. Who, who is the, I'm going to ask you a question. Who is the bill's best draft pick? Not take the 2018 class out of it. So that's okay. the Josh Tremaine, Taryn class. Who is the bill's best draft pick since then? It's, tw- it's, Greg, 20, it's, Greg, it's Greg Rousseau. I don't, I Greg, don't Rousseau's, know. Greg Rousseau's a good player. He's had some nice numbers. He's had good pressure rates. He's better with Von Miller around, but Greg yeah. was a good player. Yeah, but he's got to be because he's a first round pick. So I guess it's best I mean, I as well. I don't think I don't, and I don't think that was a bad pick. Like you go back and say, no, you're, you're getting you're getting out of him what you probably hoped you would. You still think he has more. I mean, if you were to talk value, bang for buck, you'd probably have to go to Dane Jackson in the seventh round. You could go to Tyler Bass. Uh, yeah. You know, Dawson, Dawson would be Dawson, one. That's right. That's right. Or, or Gabe Davis. I mean, he was a yeah, fourth Gabe round Davis. pick. That's right. He was a fourth Davis. round pick. I don't think uh, those things are not bad value. Look at the point of the D line though. To me, the, be- the, the bigger point is once you lost Von Miller, you're right. Like they, you, these guys disappeared. You know, who is, you know, who disappeared more than anything, the interior pass rush. Yeah. Ed yeah. Oliver. Um, Tim settle. Yeah. Really, I, I didn't, I don't think Tim health settle had a great year at all. I, mean, I thought I expected a lot more from him, but you know, I still think he can play, but the, there was no interior pass rush when Spawn Miller went out. It wasn't even the edges. No, they should not have. It's not a knock on him, but Daquan Joe, you shouldn't miss him to the level that they right. missed him in yes. that Bengals game. Like I remember it's a, whatever time it is, it's one 30 when the inactives come out for that game and you see that he's not playing and you're like, Ooh, that's a tough one for the bills, but they should still be okay against a really banged up Bengals yep. offensive line. And then they, they just didn't, they got bullied by, by that group. And then you're watching the chiefs and they're just running over these guys. And you're like, how, how much, you know, do the bills need to fix their pass rush here? It's been something we've talked about for years and getting Von Miller back will be 
a game changer, but they don't have anybody like Chris Jones or anybody like Reddick who's playing on Sunday in the Super Bowl or anything Hassan like that. Reddick is the poster child of the last um, whatever years where I've said that's a kind of free agent the Bills can maybe do something with. He's he's been very very hot and cold in his career. He started off uh-huh. like he just did not perform very well, and then he needed to go to a place where people can kind of move him around. And you're right. Like that's the kind of guy that can make a difference and you can get your hands on a piece like that. And some of that is coaching and development. I mean, look at, you know, like a Lorenzo Alexander, who kind of bounces around, figure out a spot for him, right. You can put him in there. No, you're right about that. I, I wonder what they're going to do with the free agency stuff. When it comes to the, the defensive side, we've touched on Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds, but Jordan Phillips and Jack Lawson are both free agents. I don't think it'll cost a ton to keep them. I guess the question would be how important are they to keep? It depends what they cost. You know what I mean? Like if they're a million, a million and a half, $2 million, then you're probably interested in both of them coming mm-hmm. back. But if there's a team out there who's like, okay, yeah, we're going to come give you four or $5 million. Then at that point, the bills are going to have to say, yeah, that's just too rich for our blood. And you're going to need those guys to either take a pay cut or go get probably one of their last bigger contracts and go to wherever they're ultimately trying to go. And, you know, just to circle back for a second, th- the reason I bring up the draft is because the bills need to have a really strong draft this year and they need better play from the guys they took recently because of the salary cap situation. So that's why going, they need good, cheap labor. Yes. They need good, cheap. That's absolutely. That's what they need, especially with Josh Allen's contract basically doubles, you know, this year. So it's just, it's something to keep in mind. I would say of the two of them, I think I would value Jordan Phillips a little bit more than I would value Shaq Lawson. I think that's right, especially if you think Von Miller is going to be healthy. Uh-huh. Um, but I think Shaq had a nice year and set himself up to be able to. I know, do too. To to say to, to have a little leverage and say like, hey, you know, maybe I can go test the market. He might not get a lot of money, but you know, maybe he ultimately comes back to Buffalo. He spoke spoke very glowingly about you know being here and compared to other places and things like that. Um, all right, so that is the defense. We did touch on wide receiver, so let's let's go back to that side of the ball for a second. We'll do that here, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. All right. Thanks for downloading, subscribing. It's been a couple of weeks since we came at you here, but we're always on iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, wherever else you pod, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. What's the strategy at wide receiver? One year they went out and I remember Brandon Bean saying, I got to get Josh some true wide receivers. And they go out and they attack free agency with John Brown and Cole Beasley, 2019. Mm-hmm. And then it was, we got to get him a number one because in that 2019 playoff game, Duke Williams was your most targeted guy. And they're like, we can't really have that happen. They trade their first round pick for Stefan Diggs. They have not drafted wide receivers. Gabe Davis is the only one like fourth rounder, the highest drafted one under Brandon Bean. Yeah. He's a nice player. I like Gabe Davis, probably too inconsistent for everybody's liking. And I get that. Um, But I even asked Brandon Bean at the press conference a couple of weeks ago. Do you have a, excuse me, do you have a philosophy against drafting a wide receiver in the first round? And he gave the, well, I, Use the first round pick on Stefan Diggs. Okay, touche. I get it. But what's the strategy here? Is it free agency? Is it a trade? Or go get someone in the first round who, as we know, we don't know how that's going to turn out. Can I rank those three options? Yes, please. Option one, what I think they should do, find somebody who you can add to your team right away in a trade. Whether that's Hunter Renfro, 
whether that's let's take money and push it to the side for the sake of the conversation, whether that's Hunter Renfro, whether that's Deandre Hopkins, whether that's Keenan Allen, like all of these guys who are rumored to potentially be available, go find somebody who you think can immediately be the number two target on your team and figure out what it costs. I don't think there's going to be somebody who you're going to spend a first round pick on. So I think in a perfect world, you go spend a second or third round pick to add a guy who can immediately come in and be your number two, that makes Diggs better. That makes Davis better. And it still gives you your first round pick and you can just kind of go do your, yeah, well, ho-hum, we're going to draft some offensive linemen and we think we're going to be better offensively. So that's for me, the most intriguing thing. The second option for me is the draft. Can I interject here for a second? I absolutely. I love your idea. I had an idea that I talked about on the extra point show on WGR that I host with Joe DiBiase. I'm not the guy who normally does this. I just want to say this. I'm not the guy who comes up with trade ideas and say, Oh, trade this guy. I just think it's just weird. It's pie in the sky. It's, you know, it's like playing yeah. game stuff, but I think because of where they are right now with the cap and this player, I would invest, investigate an Ed Oliver trade for a wide receiver. If a team would be willing to do something like that. I don't disagree with that. I think that Ed Oliver, Ed Oliver going into this season, I had really, really high expectations for. And then once Von Miller went out, that there was the one game. I think it was it. It was Thanksgiving. Ed Oliver always balls out on Thanksgiving. <laughs> right, that's right. But but after that, just a little bit of inconsistency. I. I I think that they're going to explore all their options. I just don't think stuff like that happens in football all the time. Like, like a player for player trade or right. it just doesn't happen very often. No, that's right. He's, but he is making 10 mil on the fifth year option, which is why I think that maybe a team could say, Hey, there's a guy that's not working out for us at wide receiver. He's making a decent number. Maybe you could do something like that. Go ahead. What's your number two out of those options, the draft. And I come to the draft with this weird, it's still so early in the process. This isn't believed to be a very strong wide receiver class, at least at the top. But I think that could potentially benefit the bills because I think you're going to probably get, if you stay where you are, the first, the second, the third best wide receiver in this class. If you draft one in the first round, now what you need to figure out is where would those guys have stacked up in last year's draft class where there were like six or seven guys that were really, really impressive. If they're in the middle of the road, then it's still a good value. And you still probably do that. If they're like, Oh yeah, the best receiver in this class, the dude from TCU is like the eighth or ninth play uh, wide receiver off the board last year. Then maybe you're just like, yeah, sorry. Like we're, we're going to wait around until the second round and we're going to see what we find. So I think you have to see how these guys do for these next couple months. And you have, we, I just, I haven't started a ton of draft prep or work yet. Like it's still so early. So I want to see kind of how that all plays out. And then the third thing for me would be free agency, but I just don't see the bills going and throwing big money at the very few names out there that seem like they would be an upgrade for the bills. And, and there's not many of them. There's only a handful of guys who you would be like, Oh Yeah that guy makes the bills better. Everybody else is like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a person. I don't disagree about like, they're not going to go out and spend a lot of money. And I will also tell you, this isn't a great wide receiver for agent class, but mostly because we've seen some lately and some high end guys. I will tell you though, the middle of the wide receiver free agent class isn't horrible. I'm going to throw a few names out at you. Now, actually these are considered some of the top guys, but they're not really top. So you're gonna have to spend more money. So I don't think so, but there are a few names. I like, I like a Jacoby Myers. If you can, you can bring a guy like that. I think that would be a really good guy. How about I could throw a few at you. What do you like? DJ Chark, Nicole Hardman, Alan Lazard, Paris Campbell, 
I mean, these are not horrible players. No. Paris Campbell's an interesting one. I've seen him thrown around a couple of times and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's somebody because he is still young. I, I think Paris Campbell's only like 25 years old. Um, DJ charts. DJ Chark is a fun one because I think he's a nice player, but I what just about bringing what... back Jameson Crowder. Sorry to interrupt you. I think that that's definitely a possibility because I don't think it's going to cost you very much, mm-hmm. especially if you don't ultimately go out and address the specifically slot position. I think you bring back Jamison Crowder on a couple million dollar deal. You would feel pretty comfortable going into this next season with him, with Khalil Shakur and with Isaiah McKenzie as your options in the slot. It's not like anybody's an all pro Cole Beasley level from 2020, but still guys who you think could be productive. Let's see. You said, I like, I like Jacoby Myers a lot. I think he's a really strong player. I like Alan Lazard, but I think Alan Lazard is probably going to get paid by somebody. I like Juju Smith-Schuster, even though he's a little bit more of kind of the players that you already have than somebody who can just go be a legit outside boundary guy. Um, I'm trying to think of the other people on this list that I'm looking at here. Uh, Sammy Watkins, I think they would uh, not be interested in. (laughs) I don't think well, Sammy Watkins is coming back. Uh, maybe I don't know. I, 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 I didn't think Cole Beasley would come back. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, it's it's a very lackluster list for specifically wide receivers. Um, you know what list is not lackluster is running backs, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the running back list is very good. It's the it's a very good free agent class class, which actually does impact the Bills because you might be able to get Devin Singletary back for a much cheaper cost because there's not going to be one of the five or six top paid running backs in the free agent class. What, what's your interest level bringing him back at maybe even if you had to pay, like, let's say four, four and a half. Are you willing to have like $11 million tied up in Devin Singletary, Naheem Hines and James cook? Cause that's what you got to figure out. I think the thought would be to probably move on from Naeem Hines or restructure him in some way, but probably move on from him, man. I know it just, uh, that would be, uh, I don't know. I personally, I like Devin Singletary, but unless you could, I would say that's kind of be like the ceiling for his contract in which he would be comfortable to pay. I don't think there would be any reason to flip a t- table and be like, I cannot believe the bills brought Devin Singletary back for two years, $8.5 million or something like that. But I, I like Naheem Hines. I-, I am totally comfortable with the bills going Naheem Hines and James cook as their running backs this upcoming season. And then just go, f- go sign a-, a Duke Johnson type guy to be your number three. I don't think the question is if you, like Naeem Hines, I I agree with you. I think the question is, do you like Naeem Hines at his contract number? Let me get that for you real quick. That's that's it's like five. It's like five, five and a half or something. Uh, let me just uh, really pull this up right here. I have it in front of me. Naeem Hines, this next year, his cap number is. See, now I can't pull it up, but that's the question. It's not even. Because, because I think what he gave you, maybe not a bunch of what it won on offense cap number is next year, 4.7. Okay. Are you okay with that? Uh, it's, it's high, but what are you going to do? Like 
this, you made your bed. Now you got to lay in it. Like you gave up an asset for him and he's not just a running back. He's a running back and he's your special teams guy, but they also barely use him as a running back. I think that Naheem Hines can be utilized way more in the offense. It was very Great. puzzling to me. The lack of usage he got, I think it was 13 snaps offensively since he got added to the bills on like that's bananas. That's like a half for Christian McCaffrey. I'm not comparing the players. I'm just like, like what? Like use him. You you can hand the ball off to him. I, I don't know. I the running back one is not something that I'm very concerned with. I think I, one I, of the answers at, and one of the answers though about this offensive issue is something you said earlier. A guy like Khalil Shakir has to be better. Good enough for them to use him and play him. I, yeah. I thought he'd be really good after watching him in preseason. And they just you talk about Naeem Hines not being used. He he was inactive sometimes. Like somebody like that has to be a better player next year. That that's a bigger, that's part of the issue you brought up earlier with the, the younger, cheaper labor. Yeah. But I have a, t- I, my opinion on that doesn't even really fall on the player. It falls on the coaching staff. And I think that for years, this coaching staff has leaned on veterans more than they should be because they're veterans. I think that Kyir Elam should have been playing instead of Dane Jackson sooner than it ultimately played out. I think you could say the same thing about a lot of different positions over the years where you're like, why is this guy getting more snaps than insert name here? Even last year, why was Emmanuel Sanders getting significantly more snaps than Gabe Davis? I don't know. It ended up working out because Gabe Davis could kind of be that other secondary option. But I think that's just that he is same thing. Obviously he's not a draft pick, but like they're very loyal to their guys. Mm-hmm. And there's something commendable about that, but eventually you need to give somebody a chance. Like, like I don't Khalil Shakir did not do anything to me to make me think like, Oh yeah. Like he's not going to be able to play in this league. Oh no. Me I neither. just think that I, 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 I just always wonder you're right. I, I agree with you. You're right. That I put a lot in the coaching staff, but Matt, like if the player gives them a reason to play him, I, I mean, they're not going to not play him. Greg, I mean, is it, it's a rookie. Yeah, but he was a first round pick, but like, okay, here's the counter to that is Isaiah Hodgins. They kept Jay Kumaro instead of Isaiah Hodgins. Looking back at that's the error. And there is the philosophical error of what we have to have the extra guy for special teams because, and, and I'll be the first to say, like, if you're going to, okay, it's a great discussion. We go back and forth with people on this all the time on Twitter. Right. No, I'm not just saying, oh my God, everything Brandon Bean does is right. Or the coaching staff is right. I get accused of that. Sometimes I'm not saying that I do want to bring you from their perspective though. Isaiah Hodges would not have been a top two receiver or probably even no. a top three on this team. Correct. Right. So absolutely, if you're going to keep a receiver as the number five guy, what does he have to do? He for has to teams. play special teams and the guy can't, he got yeah. blown up when he was on the field for kick returns. Yeah. People you're right. Reverse counter. Yes. What did Jay Kumaro do on special teams this year? I think he at least was more trustworthy. He's a return man. Yeah, I know. I know. Right? He, I mean, was also, he's a, he was hurt too. Right, right, right. But, but that's the issue I have. I remember sitting with Brandon Bean during a, um, during a production meeting before a preseason game. We yeah. get to do that on the radio for preseason, not regular season. And this topic came up. This is all about this, this very topic. And Hodges was still on the team. And his specific words were, he has to play bigger. Yeah. And he hasn't played big enough. Now, again, I so I don't disagree with that. What I do think they erred in here is maybe having that philosophy of saying, well, that's what he has to do. Maybe the philosophy 
should he should be different and saying he's still really talented. We have to find a way to keep him on the roster because we're going to need him at some point to play wide receiver. Yeah, really. The only outlier, I mean, Greg Rousseau is an outlier, but he was also a first round pick. So most first round picks are going to get a substantial amount of work. Gabe Davis was a little bit of an outlier his rookie year. He came in and started to contribute yeah. right away. It was the second game. He had that touchdown against Miami and it was like, okay, like this, and then even the playoffs, the Colts game, he was all over the place. Those are the outliers. Like we're not going to count Tyler Bass because you know, you come in to be the kicker. I mean, James what, Cook played a lot at the end of the year. It took him a little James, while. James Cook played a lot at the end of the year. What about, I just, what, Dane Jackson played some his rookie year. I think, didn't he come in like late, later uh, in the season? Uh, I remember right. He came in for because of injuries. Yeah. Because of Trey. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it was just, it was 2020. Dane Jackson, this is, he's been in the league three years now. No kidding, really. Yes. This is not year two for Dane Jackson. No. You sure? Yeah, it might even be. In fact, let me just uh, go back here. Dane Jackson, hold on, was because he is a restricted free agent because he's been in the league three years. Uh, hold on. Uh, Why would Dane have played in 2020? Hold on. Was it 2020? I might be even thinking a, um, here we go. 2020 round seven. There we go. Yep. Who would he have been playing? Seventh round pick. He, if I remember, he came in against the jets that year later in the year, he had an interception his first game. If I remember right, did Levi Wallace get hurt? And I just don't remember it. He might have. He was elevated, elevated from the practice squad, reverted back to the practice squad. He finished with three tackles, two pass defense and one interception in his, against the jets. Yep. He was cut. So here, here's the story on Dane Jackson. Um, he was released after his first training camp, re-signed to the practice squad, spent uh-huh. the whole year. There was elevated, never actually made the active roster signed to a futures contract. And that's why he's only on, he's not on a normal rookie four-year deal. That's why he's a restricted free agent after three years this year, because he actually had to sign a new deal, sign a two-year deal and going into 2021. So that's why he's got a different deal. Yeah. He's going to actually make himself a little bit of money because right. of the early struggles. Exactly. He's right. now going to get paid earlier than he would have a year. <laughs> that's so, exactly right. Um, I, yeah, I'm just, I really think that they need to drafting is not a perfect science. You're going to miss more than you're going to hit. But I think this year they don't have the wiggle room to have the picks like Epinesa, like Basham, like Ford, like some of the other guys they've had early Zach Moss, where you're like, yeah, not a, not maybe the caliber that we thought they were going to be. They, They need to hit on those guys this year. All right. Before we wrap up here, let's do this real quick. Um, any wh- who's going to win MVP? Is it Mahomes? He's slammed up. Yeah. Yes. That, that's that's going to happen over the weekend. Who should win coach of the year? Dable. I think. What about you? Man. I, yeah, I think Dable should, who are the finalists? It's Dable. I, I know McDermott was listed, but I don't actually think it's he, weird. They said there were five finalists, yeah. but then in the official press release, there were three I don't exactly even understand how that worked. I wouldn't even mind. I, I, don't, I mean, Dan Campbell is a nice guy to have in mind here, but it's probably should be Dable. No doubt. He made yeah. it. They won a playoff game even. And I mean, I know the voting is done before the playoffs, but he did a great job. And finally, uh, well, two things. How cool was it? Damar Hamlin winning the NFLPA's highest award. This happened on Wednesday. He was given the Alan page community award 
because of what his foundation has been able to raise through obviously all of the donations that came in after his incident in Cincinnati where he went through cardiac arrest. Yeah, it's a bad couple of weeks for anybody who thought he was a clone. I think uh, I think those conspiracy theories now can probably be thrown out the window. Oh, I'm sure co- some people still think that, but it was know. just cool. It was just cool to see him again. I know that sounds crazy, but like the last time, I still, I still, I hate it, but I still think back to that game in Cincinnati and just like that moment. And it's hard to get that kind of out of your head. So to see him, you know, in a nice suit with his family, walk up on stage, get the check for a hundred thousand dollars. Like that just makes you feel good. And yeah, it's just, and to see him even at the facility in a very limited capacity at the end was, was cool too. All right. We did not spend any time in the Super Bowl. We probably should have. So let's just give a pick here who you like. Yeah. I think the chiefs win but I would like to see the Eagles win. Hmm. I'm going to go with the Eagles. I just think that their offensive and defensive lines are so good. And with Mahomes still a little bit banged up, I think that's going to matter. Um, I could see it going either way. I think it's going to be a great game. It's only a one and a half point spread. I think. So, yeah. It's been flip flopping. It was like Kansas city. Then it was Philly. And it was Kansas. It's like going back and forth the whole time. Okay. So I'm going to go, I'll say like Eagles 30 to 27. What do you think for a score? Like roundabout. I'll say Chiefs 27, Eagles 24. All right. I just trust. I very much understand what you're saying. I just trust Patrick Mahomes like a lot. Like, I I don't really think I would ever bet against Patrick. I think the Bills could beat the Chiefs. Like, I think the Bills could beat anybody. That's what I mean. They did. They have uh, multiple times. I just, you know. Patrick I've Mahomes seen a is. lot of stuff about the Eagles schedule. They didn't really have, they didn't face a lot of ton of great quarterbacks, which is right. Doesn't mean they're not good, but they, they didn't. And this will be a, a really, really big test for them. Also, real, yeah, go ahead. Not, think of, I know we're, it's way too early to know anything about what schedules are going to look like or any of that kind of stuff. The bills next year on the road in Philly, on the road in Cincinnati, on the road in Kansas city. Unbelievable. It's going to be an absolute gauntlet of a schedule and then throw a London game in there too. I'm just excited for you to talk to Mike North because I I got a lot of, I got a lot of things I got to figure out with my life next year and the schedule. Yeah. And we'll see if we can get anything from him. All right. um, What are you doing for the Super Bowl? Anything cool? You know, I've had a friend who has a Super Bowl party every single year, and that is how I have spent the Super Bowl basically every single year, except the COVID year. And they are in Florida this year. So I'm going to a buddy's house and I think it's going to be pretty low key and we'll probably all bring some food and hang out and make some bets and have a reason to be entertained. Probably. I, I'm just not like, you know, I'm not as into it as I have been in years past. Yeah. We don't have much planned. Um, actually just trying to put something together now. Just like, Hey, contact a couple of friends. Like, what are you guys doing? You know, whatever. But I mean, I had a nine year old and it gets late. So I'm like, I, I'm, if I'm going anywhere, I'm staying till halftime probably. What is the fellows getting some food, whatever. What is your favorite take pizza and wings out of it? Because it's too easy of an answer. What is your favorite Super Bowl food or like favorite food at a Super Bowl party? Taking pizza and wings out. Yeah, because that's Uh, obvious. Like every every party is going to have those. Every party is going to have. I mean, I'm still like a meat guy, like some sort of burger, meat, Uh sausage, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you can't go wrong with a, a good dip, a good chips and dip, you know, just for uh-huh. the, right. Yeah. I was going to like, fill up. I'm going to eat. And I, I need like a good, a, 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 it doesn't have to be like an actual hamburger with all the bun and everything, but I need some meat. I need hamburger meat. I need, you know, um, you want to give me some pulled pork or something like that. I could do that. I need meat. 
Yeah. What about those like little hot dog things? You ever have those? Those are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, you mean like wrapped up like a pig's? Yeah, a- like a little pig's in a blanket. Yeah. I mean, I never really. Eggs? I'm not a deviled eggs guy. No, not a devil. Not a I, like I'll eat scrambled eggs, but not a big eggs guy. All right. I don't know why. Just something about the yolks creeps me out a bit. We could do chicken tenders too, right? Chicken tenders, I feel like, is cheating because it's so close to being a chicken wing. (laughs) And there are also times when it's easier and more convenient to eat a chicken tender than it is to eat a chicken wing. So, you know what I've been doing? I've been making these, uh, these like, egg bite things for the morning. You ever go to, like, one of the, like, chain restaurants and they've got, like, the egg bites and they're, like, bacon and egg or whatever? So I've been making it. You put them in a muffin pan and you just, like, crack an egg or you, like, pour egg whites into it with, like, some vegetables and, like, some – put in the oven for 30 minutes. I put them in a Ziploc bag. All I got to do is microwave them in the morning. It's, like, unbelievably convenient. That's amazing. I'm mad that I didn't find this cheat code during the season because then I was <laughs> well, wasting you know. time that now for next season, I'll have, I'll bring you at the facility next time we're there. All right. A, a egg white and sausage mini muffin bite thing, whatever they're called. Well, we'll have stuff to do quicker than people realize because the NFL offseason just rolls on. The NFL calendar always rolls on. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next time after the Super Bowl. We'll kind of break that down for you a little bit and look ahead to what the Bills are doing the remainder of this offseason. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks for downloading, subscribing, and throw us a nice review and like five stars, okay? Yeah.